0: Good evening, everyone. It is 12 o'clock. It is Sunday, the 26th of April. Sorry, I haven't been um, updating anyone on my page so far, but I just want to give you an update progress on what we're going through. So thus far, since 2017 elections, we've been talking about uh, affordable housing. And the biggest struggle I see, um, I face is trying to convince people that housing is a right Not a luxury. You see, since independence, our government, um, we had the NHC, National Housing Commission, it was set up uh, basically to have accommodation for all the public servants, but then uh, it became an act in 1990. So they were actually given the task to, um, you know, sustain itself and then uh, acquire state land and then build more houses for the growing um, population in Port Moresby and all around Papua New Guinea. But hence far, the managing directors who have got in there uh, and the housing ministers have all squandered and rented like their own private en- uh, empire. and Hence, we've had people living in houses being evicted um, through dubious means and then you had um, you know some people living there for 10, 20 years being evicted and then you have some business people who so money go inside and then people get um, thrown out of their houses um, and the list goes on. If you can take um, a forensic accounting firm into that department, it, you'll find them. there was so much corruption in there. And that is why the Durand Farm, it was a good idea by O'Neill, but the Durand Farm failed because when you have everyone putting their hair in the cookie jar, you find out that the cookie jar is always empty. Um, that's the biggest thing we face in this country corruption it's actually stopping everyone. so right now, as we speak, every Papua New Guinean who finishes high school is either living well eighty for my figures it's about eighty percent of our population are either living in one talks houses they're living on um untitled land. Or they bought a piece of um, traditional land uh, settlement, which we call their ghettos, and they're actually building their houses. They're investing a lot of money in building these houses because, for average Papua New Guinean, it's quite difficult to um, to acquire a land title. It's it's you're talking about um, our, our standard wage for average Papua New Guinean is the, the minimum wage is three fifty an hour. So you're looking at about 300 to 400 kilo a fortnight. How are you going to save enough money to buy a land tunnel? So the policy which I've uh, brought in with my team, it's one family, one home. We are trying to bring, um, bring it closer, as I said, uh, curve it down. So I think the government needs to um, get involved in this process. We need to... Um, we need to subsidize housing for every citizen. Um, so let's, let, let me. The government just spent five billion in Kina. And you get. They sh- have nothing to show for it. I would propose the government put one billion into housing and you see how much. How many houses we can build with one billion. I'm talking about uh, proper suburbs with the trunk infrastructure. I'm talking about a modernized Modern. Modern Port Moresby where we can put. Um, Uh, my vision is to have uh um all basically solar paneled um houses on one grid so we have a cheaper reliable renewable and energy source so every house will be um hooked on on the grid um every house will have um you know gas pipelines running through them um cheap gas um every house will have you know um adsl lines going through them Um, So basically, we create the modern Port Mosby. So you have people with solar panels in each household feeding back to the grid. So eventually, some houses will be free and some houses will only pay, like, say, what, 20 or 30 kina a month. Currently, we're paying about 500 kin a month. This is unbelievable in rates for PNG power. So this government is very, it's known for screwing the citizens everyone wants to make a quick buck out of uh the poor citizens of papua New Guinea, and i i guess ignorance is a bliss because our people um no matter what the government does they, they're they like that unforgiving we're like that unforgiving dog we always wag our tail and um, always be happy with our politicians no matter how bad they rape the country so My solution for the housing crisis is basically subsidize housing from the government. We've done a policy on this. It's basically creating equity for the citizens of Papua New Guinea. Um, The biggest problem is corruption and greed gets in between that and everyone wants a piece of the pie and uh, when we have corrupt, greedy, selfish pigs in the government and in the bureaucracy and everything like that, it's quite difficult to get uh, this policy in place. And uh, it saddens me to think that our next generation are all going to be living in settlements. It's a a mindset. It's a paradigm. I've been working through it. It's quite difficult because we are a cargo cult society. We want to be wood. We want uh, people in Port Moresby, especially like to be like volleyball competitions or rugby league competitions, which has nothing to do with your qualifications or what you can do as a person. Um, So I think as soon as people are more educated in this country and um, as soon as people can, um, and as soon as we can have free and fair elections and have uh, actually police men and women and army personnel not take bribes and actually want to see good outcomes. See, it all starts with the people in power. So it starts with uh, the, the police, starts with the army, starts with the electoral commissioners. If they don't take bribes and allow a free fair elections, then we will have a better outcome. Anyway, I'm dragging off a bit, but my main topic of this tonight was about housing. Um, if you have any queries or questions, please uh, check me on my link. Uh, I'm on Instagram too. You can get me on Instagram or you can WhatsApp me. I'd really love to know what you think, but I think uh, subsidized housing is the way of the future because you cannot change a society till you change their paradigms. And through paradigms, you put them in proper housing. And housing is the key for a better society and better people. And that we can slowly change mindsets once we get people into uh, proper housing. So hopefully that has sunk in. Tomorrow I'll be trying to talk to some other people. Um, Samson Komoti, he's one of a, uh, um, he's very influential in the political scene. Uh, I want to take, ask him his take on uh, his comparison with the O'Neill government and the Marape government, and which government he prepares and where does he see Papua New Guinea going through in the next five to ten years are we going to go through recovery session or are we going to go in a downward spiral to the pits of the hell anyway thanks for listening to my podcast um please if you need want me to talk about housing more please i'm very passionate about this and i think that every Papua should have access to affordable housing it is our right Good evening everyone, this is Stephen Kalagi. Welcome back to my podcast. It is Monday, 26th. Is it the 26th? Yes, it is the 26th of April. Now today I want to talk to you about my past life. Uh, When I was growing up, I used to be a gold buyer. Yes, a gold buyer. Um, So how I started out is I... uh, After my work in hotels, I did a... um, I had a beer shop in Kundiawa as I was managing the hotel, and I used to buy gold uh, from the Kainantu region, from Moya and uh, 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 Yonke Dam, and, and buying throughout these places, including Lufa and Ganofi, the gold percentage in these areas is about 80. Um, buying from all over Papua New Guinea, I could basically... Uh, tell you where the gold's from just by looking at it and the percentage. I became so good at it that I was like one or two percent off. Now many people who um, want to get into the gold business. I basically uh, I tell them it is a it is a very fine art uh, to get into the as a gold buyer. Um, Because what you have to do to get your margins are, you have to go to the rural areas and the risk to reward ratio is not as uh, good good as it was before during the MRO days. Um, There's a lot of misconception about the MRO. They thought it was a mint. Now Papua New Guinea has never had a mint. MRO is just a smelting facility which um, eventually did um, gold exporting. And um, there were never a uh, gold mint in any any um yeah. There were never a gold mint. So there's a gold mint. What you require to have a gold mint is a LBMA certification. That's a London Bullion Association and. Not everyone can get one. You have to be part of the 1B club. You've got to be part of the elite, elite Jewish club, which basically runs the London Bullion Association in uh, London. So, to get one of those, you basically have to be there and you've got to have the buying capacity to have a mint. So, it's another topic I'll talk about later. But going back to buying gold in PNG, now most of our gold in Papua New Guinea. Is a high 80% to the 90s. The the best gold I ever purchased in my life was Lucky Kamo Gold in the Karama prov- province. And that is all like cornflakes. It's all flaky gold. It's all alluvial, lo- um, but it is basically 98%. It's basically pure gold. And if you want the best gold in the world, basically, um, is Lucky Kamo Karama Gold. But Most of my time, I usually spend in Belolo Wow, um, and get all my gold from there. Um, But it'll be quite shocking to see that in in Wow especially, the gold ranges from 60% all the way to 80% in different areas and different spots you dig. So, um, my suggestion, if you want to get into gold buying, you've got to start with at least 100,000, that'll get you a good kilo because uh, you your costs involved um it's not wise to just punt with five thousand or ten thousand people are basically laugh at you so if you want to get into gold buying properly um i'd say to start off with start of 10 to 10 to 15 to twenty thousand. Um, buy um about 100 to 200 grams if you can um, but if you're buying raw it's highly risky because let me give you an example if you're buying gold from blolo and you do not know what you're buying most gold from blolo is uh, amalgam gold which means they use uh, mercury to capture the gold and it's all alluvals gold so they they don't have proper systems called a tort where they can um melt off the arsenic mercury off the gold so they basically cook it in a fire tin fire it is quite dangerous um and they sell the gold so it's got a lot of lead content a lot of mercury and it makes the gold heavy so if you if it's not burned properly just say you bought a um, 100 grams of gold of mercury gold amalgam gold now that amalgam gold's got a lot of weight in it and that amalgam gold by the time you sell it it's usually 20 percent weight loss because if you buy it in blolo and go back to lay and sell it all the exporters they'll Melt your goal first and foremost. Now, if you paid 50 kina per gram, let's just say you paid 100 kina per gram for the 100 grams, let's say you spent 10,000 kina on it. Okay, that 10,000 kina, you're actually buying all the weight loss and you don't know what the purity is. So, let's just say you have a 20% weight loss and your goal comes out at Um, 80 80 grams. That's after all the impurities. They put uh, borax in it. They put it in the fire. It comes out like a nice small melted bar. Now, you've lost 20% of the weight on it. Now, they're going to basically get a, what they call a spectrometer. It's a gun. um, And it basically, it's a laser gun that takes a precise percentage of the gold. And they read your gold to be at, just say, 50%. So, from... 100 grams, you came down to basically 40 grams of fine gold. Now, 40 grams of fine gold, and now you have to sell it at world prices 120. So, you look at the margins you're making, it's not as much if you don't know what you're doing. So, I would suggest people if you do not know how to buy gold, go with someone that does. And again, I trust my eye, I have the best eye because I've lost about 20 to 30,000 in the process of buying gold so i know um i I learned very quick what's good gold, what's bad gold what's not i'm especially uh to they put a lot of sand in their gold so if you are interested in jumping into the gold business my suggestion would be um don't jump on uh try it with 5000 um the heavier the larger i went the better because um i went to a scale where i was buying two to three kilos that was like two to three hundred thousand now my margins for error would have been covered with my uh profit in there so i I got a good system going and i I started improving and improving and um my errors were less and less because i could i could estimate the weight loss and i could factor that into my buying price and i estimate the percentage and i factor that into my buying price um so yeah, start off small, but you know, I had to fly to Mosby to get the good markets. Back then it was Italy Preziosi offering the best prices, basically world market prices. So I flew to Mosby, sold to them. If I didn't have a choice I sold to Justin Parker, which is the biggest gold buyer right now in PNG. Um Justin's a good mate of mine too, I hope he's listening. But you know, this is uh it's not an easy game to get into now. The gold business. Uh, it's a cutthroat business if you do not know what you admit. Your margins for error is like minimal. Um, and, you know, and uh, everyone knows the gold prices these days. we selling gold, so you can't really um, pull one over their eyes. So, my suggestion is uh, know what you're doing, um, get good advice, get from existing gold buyers. Um, you can take a part, I'm not discouraging you, but. Um, be ready to lose some money. You will lose some money, but don't be discouraged. Keep on going. If you're really passionate about it. But I actually, um, after six, after eight years of buying gold, I actually invested money in, in an es- excavator and I was digging gold up in Mount Kindy, and I saw the risk to ratio uh, risk. Uh, and reward was really good for me because I was averaging about 100 to 150,000 a month just excavating and uh, looking for gold Um, it it was much better than me risking it taking money out to the bush buying gold so um, if you can get into um, gold mining get into it Um, alluvial dredges are good it's very um, costly at first if you pick the wrong areas so when you're doing alluvial um, especially with a drench of 14 or 16-inch uh, dredge. It's um, your biggest cost is your fuel, and it's a lot of tiring work. You gotta bring sluice box boxes. You gotta have mercury to wash your gold. Make sure and you pan it. it it's a lot of work. But as I said, go heavy. I um, mean, you if you put if you process a lot of dirt, you have to process a ton of dirt to get a lot of gold. So that's it gives you indication. Um, proper geologist, they go they. They do something called a mapping, and they do geo mapping where they can take samples from all over the place, and then they send it to a laboratory, and they can tell you the tonnage of gold per uh, per ten or twenty meters. And then, uh, to give you an indication, big mines open if they have two to three grams per ton. That makes it viable because they go through the big conveyor belts and big machines, and if it's two or three grams per ton, you know the tonnage they're putting through, there it's going to be viable, and now, you know the. The the tonnage on the, my hill on Red Rock and on, on uh, Mankindy, in Blolora, it was 12%. It was it was uh, 12 grams per ton. It was massive. But the problem is the percentage of gold was basically 55 to 60%. It was basically half silver, half gold. So, um, but the tonnage was just amazing. Um, it's one place I would want to go back. Um, if I sell a property or an asset, I'll probably put a million kina into it and go big as um, put, a, put a, a Nelson concentrator, a couple of conveyor belts, a couple of processing plants so I can just process the gold straight into the baskets. I think that's the best way to do gold. Yeah, so I'm blabbering on a bit but gold is it's my passion. I've been doing it for about 10 years and it was very exciting till I had my kids, and I started just, hey, I better do something less riskier, invest into security, into other things, and you know, I always diversify. But you know, as I say, it's good as gold, mate. Nothing can beat gold. So if you want to get into gold, um, please do, but please know that you will be, you will lose a lot of money, but that's just part of the lesson. It's just part of the birth pain you have to go through. So I'm. Um, uh, Yeah, that's me, Stephen Claggy. Thanks for listening tonight about my gold. If you have any more questions, please uh, uh, send me a link. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram. I'm basically everywhere. So um, I do have a video on buying gold on my YouTube channel, so you can check that out. Um, I think I I just did two videos. I don't want to talk too much about it. But uh, have a look at my uh, YouTube channel also. I've got to talk more about gold buying and uh, gold mining. Apart from that, thank you. It's been 12 minutes. It's great to speak to you about gold. And as I said, any more questions, just holler. I'll uh, be glad to answer your questions. I'm Stephen Kalagi. Thank you very much for listening tonight. Good day, everyone. Welcome to Stephen Killagi's podcast. Thank you for listening today. Now, today, the topic is about good leadership in Papua New Guinea. Uh, We've heard it all and all again. The same old thing we hear every elections, but no one's actually getting behind good candidates. Now, the two big parties that are going head to head, it's like David, it's like the two giants, Godzilla and King Kong, are going to take it on. It's going to be PNC versus Pangu. Now, from what I've heard in Waigani is uh, Pangu's going to probably fall apart. Everyone's just waiting till elections because they have no proper structure, no team plan. It's just everyone's there for convenience. One party that I see is uh, pretty ready is PNC party, uh, ULP, and then we've got Peter Ippard party. So we've got different fractions of parties, but it goes from rank. The two head head parties uh, are going to go head ahead head are it's going to be between PNC and Pangu. Um, the the one below that uh, is UL, uh, ULP with Sam Basil. They've actually got some pretty good candidates under their belt, and I think they'll come home. Uh, they'll come along, home with at least ten MPs. So uh, going back to uh, what our topic about getting good leadership, it, it's really good that we've seen a lot of females. Uh, putting their hand up 2022 this is really good now we tell good candidates to stand up but it costs it it takes a lot of money and sacrifice for these candidates to go up and not forgetting the stress you know in png politics everyone wants you to attend the house cry everyone has personal issues that during election elections time they want candidates to solve their problems so that's that's a mindset and a culture that's been bred into um, png politics since the 1980s so how do we get around that we need we need good uh, we actually need good uh, uh, we need good we need good people to support these leaders that are standing up so it's it's all good and it's all good just talking great and stuff but if you really care about your country get behind one or two good candidates and support them financially uh, in cash or kind and that's the way where we where we can get better people in in in, in the government. It, as a collective, as a whole country, we need to start waking up. Stop putting crooks into parliament. You know, we've 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 come to an age where we have um, politicians that become project managers rather than policy makers. They get in and they involve themselves in money and they become construction managers, road managers, rather than staying in there and fixing policies and uh coming out with new legislation so that's something that uh, we need to look at getting more because there's a there's a saying in png politics that if you if you're very educated and you speak proper english you are white man or you are white mary so that kind of attitude that kind of mindset needs to stop weak maybe put them on kanaka going to the parliament go now you look at it um that's what we get for putting idiots into power um so that's that's the biggest issue we have. Uh, like we can have a good prime minister like James Marape, but if his cabinet is crooked, they're gonna they're gonna sulk, they're gonna uh, demand payment, or they're gonna leave him. So it's like a catch-22. If if, um, if the any prime minister of the day, whether it be Marape, O'Neill, whoever, they've got to feed the hungry mouths. So it's very crucial that we put in uh good. Honest leaders that are surrounded by a good prime minister, and that's the only way we can uh, change this mm-hmm. country. If we keep on putting crooks into the in Parliament House, we're never going to see change because these crooks are going to demand payments from, um, uh, you know, they're going to mm-hmm. need cash handouts to keep hungry mouths fed. So it's a collective, uh, collective. I always say that it's a collective effort, um, people uh one change but they've got to change themselves when we change the leadership changes so that comes back to each and every individual every electorate in this country are we really ready for good leadership or we're not because by the way i see people still after money still after pigs and lamb flaps and all this kind of crap and they're really not taking their votes that seriously but uh, yeah, if you're out there in PNG, the rates are gonna be open up in the next. Uh, oh, well, this is, uh, what's the date today? It's the 14th. So the next 12 days, the rates are gonna be open. The next uh, 14 days, the rates are gonna be open. So exciting days ahead of us. But it comes back to mm-hmm. every individual to make the right decision. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Uh, there'll be more coming out. That's my five minutes. Please comment and uh, let me know what you think. Have a top day.